0: Good morning. So, this is different. (laughs) We, uh, John, and I wanted to try something new today uh, that is, have a sermon in dialogue with one another. And um, you will probably know this very quickly, but we haven't practiced. And uh, all we did was have some conversations earlier in the week about what interested us in the readings, and then we didn't talk—well, we talked again, but we didn't talk again about the readings. Um, And we were inspired somewhat by Mark Jefferson, who preached here a few weeks ago, and uh, he, if you may didn't know, but he preached a different sermon at each of the three services on Sunday, and we were blown away by that. And so we thought we would get ambitious too. And so we're going to dialogue on a different reading at each service because repeating a dialogue three times is really, uh, really fake. So
1: having just done one, I'm glad we're not. I'm
0: really glad we're not doing that again. Yes, it it was good at 7:45. Don't get us wrong. (laughs) So we're going to talk about Revelation um, for this service. The reading that we heard Andy read and. I hear Revelation differently now than I ever did before um, because during the pandemic, the young adults, some of us are in this room right now, we did a Bible copying project where by hand we copied the book of Revelation. And since we couldn't be together, what we did is we would copy a chapter at a time and then we would drop it off at the door of the next person's house with a little present. So when I got Revelation, I actually did the second chapter. And when I got it, I got a bag of apples um, that somebody had picked. And it was just a really wonderful way to be in connection. But then as we copied the book, um, I got some really alarmed questions from the young adults. of Like, what is this about the horror of Babylon? <laughs> <laughs> so, is the fire. So we're, today we're diving into the very beginning of Revelation. Revelation. Um, And it's so hard when you read Revelation to know where in the world you are, like in what plane of existence you're living, um, who's talking. So uh, let's dive in and and talk about what we heard today in Revelation. Sure, so,
1: you know, we we got up easy as far as Revelation readings go. We did. It's pretty tame compared to where it's headed. Uh, But uh, even though Revelation is is known, rightly as a book, uh, very strange, and kind of challenging visions about what seems like the end of the world. Uh, it starts off as a letter, yeah. uh, much like Paul's letters to the churches. This is a letter from John, uh, probably not John, son of Zebedee. Or, not, John or, or not John Kennedy. <laughs> not John Kennedy, not John, the beloved disciple, different Johns. Apparently there were a few in those days. And he's known as John of Patmos or John uh, the Revelator. Um, and he's writing to the seven churches that are in Asia. I guess this is supposed to be modern day Turkey, uh, the, 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 because he, he lists the, the specific places of these churches. Um, but he's writing in a time um, following the Emperor Nero. It's thought that the Roman Emperors, so of course, all of the New Testament is written during the time of the Roman Empire. And it's thought that this is written after, but not long after the reign of Nero. And Nero was a particularly vicious persecutor. Of early Christians. Uh, it's thought that the Emperor Domitian was uh, the, the man in charge, if you will, at this time. He wasn't at Nero's level, but the harassment certainly uh, continued. And so uh, the early Christians have experienced a lot of hardship already uh, simply by being Christians. Uh, most of them would have been Jewish. And so um, they're already coming from uh, a whole story of persecution and exile and uh, just having, you know, the powers of the world, Uh, on their neck in one way or another. So that's sort of the context. It's a a word of encouragement. It's a word that God has triumphed in the uh, death and resurrection of Jesus, and at the end of history, um, God will be ultimately victorious over all the stuff uh, that seems to be out of whack with um, God's vision or God's dream, as as our presiding bishop Michael Curry, likes to talk about. Um,
0: Something that I loved about – in terms of finding your place in Revelation and where you are, um, this is – what comes next in Chapter 2 are the seven letters to the seven churches, which – numbers are all through Revelation, and seven denotes some kind of completeness, and like the seven days of creation, seven churches in Asia – um, and I read something that made me laugh this week, which is this is John's cover letter to that to the churches um, in Asia. So he's kind of like establishing rapport and credentials with who he's about to give these crazy visions to. Uh, but that's his sort of opening uh, line. And we, we talked just a little bit, we talked about Revelation, talked about some of our, like, embarrassment about this book like of all the books in the bible like could we have just left this one out like, it's it's a really um there's a lot in here that can be really hard to uh stomach and in fact like actually throughout history there have been movements to get rid of this book from the canon um like it's just better if it wasn't there at all but in fact so much of our language and our liturgy and our notions of heaven come from this book um and i wonder like as you were reading about Revelation this week, what you make, like, how do we deal with an apocalypse that we read in
1: 2022? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's hard, I think. The, the, it's hard on its own, mm-hmm. because it really does sound like it's talking quite specifically about how the end of the world will unfold. It sounds like it can sound like the author expected it to happen really soon, which yeah. just adds to the embarrassment. Yeah. To that. Wow, is we were that, really is, wrong. Is that soon by anybody's yeah. measure? I don't know. Um, but what makes it even harder is the way that this book has been used yeah. by certain you know, religious Christian movements, uh, left behind books. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, I don't know. I'm sure some of you know. Many of you, I'm sure, know the Left Behind books. But for those of you who may not, it was a very popular series of novels. I think all written in the 90s, maybe the early 2000s, maybe stretching back to the 80s, but um, relatively recent. Uh, you know, treating Revelation as a literal guide to the uh, end of history, uh, and this is not how Christians have always understood Revelation. Uh, I would. My understanding is that most Christians have not thought about Revelation to the extent that they've thought about it, right? Because yeah. this whole thing of Christians reading the Bible on their own is relatively recent anyway. But, um, you know, we, we are so uh, familiar with um, groups, you know, sects, sometimes cults, um, saying that they've figured out, they've cracked the code in Revelation, they know when the world's going to end, they have a date, they get people ready for it, and then nothing happens. Um well, at least the world doesn't end. Uh, sometimes the cults do. A dramatic lot of personal ends. lives end. Yes, and very, very sadly that, that has been true. Um, so, what, you know, what, what can we get from this? Coming to this as, you know, um, people who are not interested in uh, joining an end of the world movement, uh, people probably, I don't really want the world to end, I really don't want the world to end, actually. So what does this uh, have to say to us? And, you know, I think, um, And why does it come up in Easter, I think, is a good framing for for what it has of of meaning or value to our lives as Christians right now. Um, History and our present day um, is really um, a mixed bag. And um, we've lived, I think, in the West with this sort of myth of progress, that, like things are getting better steadily for certain stretches. It's kind of looked like that, depending on who you are. <laughs> you know, if, you're, if you've been on the more privileged side. Um, but I think in moments like this, I think there is a general feeling among us that the world isn't getting better. Mm-hmm. And is it going to get, like, reliably better, like, ever? Yeah, um, I'm glad you mentioned
0: privilege, because I think that's so much about apocalyptic literature, is like, for whom is it good news that the world is ending, or the world as it is is ending, and that's like never good news for those who are in privilege and of power, like it's, and that's such a theme of our readings today, is um, I think power and authority are themes throughout Revelation and through the reading of Acts. And I think uh, that's one of the gifts of apocalyptic literature, and I think a challenge to us reading it today is to see it, it is good news to the people who are in persecution. And there are people who are in persecution now um, all over the world, in our city, um, through systemic things, through outward violence that's direct. And that's really, that's apocalypse. Um, I think it's also, the, the word revelation and apocalypse It's like to, to unveil what was already there, like to see what was already there. And I think that also corresponds to this losing, um, shedding our blindness around, around privilege, is that like, we're seeing what was already there all along that a lot of other people already had sight for. But that's one of the gifts of apocalyptic literature is to give that sight to those who maybe don't have it.
1: Right, right. And yeah, so this, this unveiling thing, that's like literally what revelation or apocalypse means. um, can you say more about the end of the world that it envisions? Because it's maybe not what is in the po- a popular imagination of what an apocalyptic uh, yeah. vision uh, is all about. Like, there's a lot of bad stuff, a lot of shaking up, a lot of violence, sadly, on the way, but what, what is the, the ultimate goal or, or end to which um, this, this text takes us?
0: And interestingly, it's one of the most read chapter of Revelation in churches is the very end, which we read in funeral liturgies to remind us of this image of, of no more weeping and of, uh, it's interesting in our reading today, like everyone sees Christ come from the clouds, So there's a universal nature to it, although then like the tracks split a little bit. I think one of the most interesting things, which I don't think is what you were aiming for me to say, but I'm gonna say one of the things that's really interesting to me is the vision of of the afterlife in heaven does not include a temple. Like churches are not gonna be part of right. the end. That's really and like there's so there's something about the nature of what we're doing here that like is tiding us over, but then really like the fulfillment that John writes today does not include a church and, and hierarchy as we have envisioned it. Right. I don't know what other yeah, that, no, that no clergy, I was six right? No clergy. Everybody's well, a priest. Yes,
1: and that's because uh, we just did a baptism last week on Easter. Yeah. And you know, in the baptism, we anoint um, the uh, the forehead to the oil, you know, the chrism pr- oil, and this is like a priestly anointing. Like in yeah. baptism, we're all anointed as priests, yeah. and, and we get some of that from from, from Revelation.
0: Yeah, and that also, at our earlier conversation over in St. Martin's, we were talking about this call to witness that's strained through Acts. Right. And you mentioned that we're all, in some ways, we're all ordained to be little Christ yes. to the world. Yes. And that we're sent out on this mission to witness, to hold the vision of things that others don't see. Um, and notably, like in Acts, they're given, um, the d- disciples are given the power to heal um, as the way Jesus did. And I think we're, we're also all given some of that in our baptism. It's just a question of harnessing it um, for the good. I think the only other thing I, I want to mention about this is uh, that beautiful, at the very end of it, where God, God only speaks twice in Revelation, um, which is interesting, and, and once at the very beginning and once at the very end. And here God says, I am the Alpha and I am the Omega. And there's, and for those who don't know, that's the first of the Greek alphabet and the last. So there's this like whole continuum that God holds. Um, And again, I think it points to it's it's a moment of gratitude for us for this book that has sometimes embarrassed us as Christians. Again, that it has given us so much of the language of our faith and of God. And um, I, I did text John because I during yesterday when I was reading or the day before because it's actually this section of revelation is called a liturgical dialogue and i was like that is so cool that's what we're doing um so i i appreciate and i'm i'm holding on to the the hope and encouragement Mm -hmm. and imagination that revelation gives us for how to be in the world when it's broken as easter people
1: indeed indeed yeah i think one Thing I didn't thread earlier is like so if, if if revelation is not a literal guide to the end of the mm-hmm. world, what like what is the genre? And this is a genre that started centuries earlier uh, in Judaism, and uh, it, it it was born of a sensibility that our ultimate hope is not in like linear linear history. Yes. Uh, we will not save ourselves as mm-hmm. human beings. Uh, we will continually make a mess of it but we hope and trust in the power of God who is love, who is justice to um, at the appointed time, whatever even time means in this context uh, to make all things right um, and I think that um, makes this such a good thing to be uh, reminded of in Easter when we're sometimes we're going to have a forum on this next week wondering like well, why does the resurrection matter Like, or, or does it matter and resurrection is the ultimate sign in history of the power of god over the worst things that we do to one another and i think revelation is also meant to be a word of encouragement um, in that way thank you
0: well may you be encouraged and may your imagination and your curiosity be sparked as we uh, make our pilgrimage through these great
1: 50 days of easter Amen. amen